Hey, everybody. This is Jordan McCullough with the Crohn's Veteran Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am joined by my amazing co-hosts, CJ Cabrera and Rebecca Wood. How are you guys both doing today? Excellent. Thanks for Great. asking Awesome, awesome. And today we, we are joined by a very special guest, the chef with IBD herself, Abigail. Um, how you doing? Hey, doing good. Thank you so much for having me. You're very, you're very welcome, very welcome. And, um, you know, first off, um, you know, I'm just, you know, curious and I, and I know our audience is curious. If you just tell us about uh, who, you know, who, you know, like before we get into your IBD background and stuff, I, I'm just curious about, you know, who, who Abigail is. Yeah, so, hey, I'm Abigail. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2014. I have a culinary arts degree from Johnson and Wales University um, and spent many years in the culinary industry. Um, So I have a culinary background Um, and I started a blog that I run, um, which I do full time now. And um, that is called Abigail Marie, the chef with IBD. And it's to help spread awareness uh, for IBD. And then also I do uh, two recipes a week. So I share recipes of the diet that I follow. Um, and I also share new information um, and studies about new medications and things that are coming out for those with IBD as well. Cool, cool. Well, um, and so um, if you could, you know, I guess, uh, it, 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 Expand on your, you know, IBD, but your, your kind of IBD journey. So, you know, how you know, how old were you, you know, you know when you, you know when you were diagnosed, and just kind of you know tell, tell, tell that story a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, kind of to go a little bit before um, my diagnosis, kind of as a small child, one of my first memories was cooking in the kitchen with my aunt, making cookies. I was always watching Food Network while my friends were watching cartoons and asking for cookbooks and pastry bags and things for Christmas and my birthday. Um, So I kind of always have had a love and passion for food um, and knew that I wanted to go to culinary school. Uh, And my ultimate dream then was to be a head chef in a fine dining restaurant um, and just kind of live that life. Uh, And so I went to Johnson & Wales um, and completed my first two years. Uh, And then I was on my way to work one day and got in a car accident. A tow truck hit me head on going 60 and a 45 with an expired license and an expired expired tag (laughs) Uh, and threw my car and the paramedics pulled me out and I immediately had some abdominal pain. And they thought that it was my spleen and they took me to the emergency room and they were like, no, you're fine. You just have a broken hand and a messed up ankle, like go home. Um, You know, you'll be fine. And so then about a week later, I started experiencing some severe abdominal pain and some blood and I knew that something was wrong. So I went to my doctor and got referred to a GI and then they scheduled a colonoscopy and afterwards, they came back and said it was moderate, severe, left-sided ulcerative colitis. Um, and so that was kind of my diagnosis experience. Um, and I mean, the car accident itself was really traumatizing. And so, you know, they don't quite know why people have IBD, but they think that it's in your genes already. Um, and they think that maybe the trauma of that event is what brought it out. 
um, a little bit earlier in me because um, a lot of people are diagnosed in their 30s if they're not diagnosed as teenagers. So that was kind of my experience with uh, getting diagnosed. Wow, wow. I, I wanted to say, first off, um, it's amazing that you're able to still share just hearing about that acting alone. I was like, wow, that's, that was, I know that's very scary for you. And then to not only have an accident to have these um, new uh, challenges along the way and later find out that you have IBD from, you know, not to that cause of saying, but like the transition of that happening. Um, I bet that was very scary for you when you were first informed of that diagnosis, what were your initial thoughts? Like what was going through your mind when your doctor told you that? Yeah. So, I mean, I was 21. Um, you know, I was working towards my degree. I really didn't think it would change so much. I, I asked my doctor, you know, and he was like, well, you know, there is no cure. It's lifelong, but you know, we'll give you this medicine, just continue on with your life, you know, as if it's, it wasn't a big deal. So I really did not understand the gravity of the diagnosis at the, at the time. Um, it took me several years later to really understand, um, you know, the severity of the disease as mm. well as, um, you know, just going through the process of flare after flare, mm. um, you know, so I, I really did not understand <laughs> that it was going to completely change my life. Um, but it definitely did uh, over the next several years. I, um, I finished my uh, degree. So I got diagnosed in 2014. I got my bachelor's in food service management from Johnson Wales in 2016. So mm -hmm. I um, finished my degree. And then where at the restaurant I was working at, I um, right after that got a promotion to a managerial position, um, sous chef. And so I started doing that. Um, the restaurant industry is a lot of long hours with like no breaks um, and it's very fast paced and stressful. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I was doing what I wanted to do, my dream, you know, building on becoming a, a head chef. And um, I was giving it my all, but my body was not able to take it. I just, I kept having flare after flare and so much prednisone and you know, I just, I knew that I needed to do something different because that was not good for me. And I was also, you know, when you close restaurants, it's really late, like nothing's open except fast food and you don't want to cook because you've been doing it all day. So I was eating a lot of fast food at the time, lots of frozen things, you know, convenience items, energy drinks, like all the things that are not good for IBD. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that at the time at all. Um, I had asked my doctors a few years later after several flares, I asked them if I should be following a specific diet or if there was anything um, that I could do. And they all told me either it doesn't matter, eat whatever you want, or there's not enough evidence to support that food affects IBD. So you know, I was in an industry surrounded by great food um, and things that I enjoy, um, but couldn't really enjoy because of my flares uh, and 
my UC. So what are some, uh, you know, foods, you know, like, you know, kind of just with trial and error, and, you know, in your own experience that, you know, that, you know, that work for you and, and don't work for you? Yeah, so I finally, I switched industries. Um, my minor was in beverage management, so I switched over and uh, started working as an assistant manager at a local wine shop, which the hours were so much better and they're like during the day. And so I was able to focus a little bit more on my health. Um, and the first thing that I did was started a food journal, um, like keeping track of what I'm eating and what symptoms that I'm having, if any. Um, and through kind of some trial and error, I found that gluten was bothering me. Um, things like really starchy things like potatoes, um, I didn't do well with. Um, some like nightshade things like peppers. Um, and so I just kind of kept documenting and eliminating things. And then I would try like different diets. I did like the whole 30 and the paleo and, um, dairy-free and gluten-free. And I kind of was just cycling through these things, just hoping something was going to be working while I was eliminating things that I knew were hurting me. Um, and then finally in 2019, I had the worst flare that I've ever had. And, um, you know, I mean, in the bathroom, like 30 times a day, can't sleep, mm -hmm. can't eat, like it cannot do anything. Um, and I made an appointment with a specialist who who was a couple hours away from where we lived. Um, and I somehow pulled myself together and made it through that car ride there, um, which was hard to start with. Uh, and we finally get there and he takes one look at me and he says, we have to keep you. I cannot mm. let you leave. Um, I had lost like 25 pounds. I was super dehydrated. Um, you know, I just, I was not well. Mm. Uh, I was on 60 milligrams of prednisone orally and it was not touching it. Um, and so they hospitalized me for a week um, and we started my first loading dose of Remicade uh, mm -hmm. there as well. Um, and then I finally got to come home after the week. Um, it felt like so much longer, <laughs> um, but I finally got to come home, but it took me about three months of just to recover. I was so weak and, you know, like sickly and it just, it took me three months. I couldn't work um, just to recover. And but during that time, I kind of found the SCD diet through my husband's aunt. She's a nurse and was like, hey, I, you know, I heard about this diet for people that have ulcerative colitis. And I was like, I, you know, I'm down to check it out. I've already tried like six other diets. <laughs> um, so that was kind of how I got introduced to it. So I did some research and um, found that it really works for me. I've been doing it about a year and a half now. Um, but it is designed for people with Crohn's and colitis um, by Elaine Gottschall, um, who is, was from Canada, uh, and her daughter has ulcerative colitis. And so she was in the medical scientific field. And so she wanted to find things that would work for her daughter, but she approached it more from a scientific molecular standpoint. Um, and so that over time, she found that people with IBD can't digest multi-chain carbohydrates, which are known mm -hmm. as polysaccharides. And so what happens is 
when you're not digesting them, they kind of sit and start to ferment in your gut. And that leads to gut permeability and often active disease um, for those with IBD. So she eliminates all of those in the diet, which is what I follow. Um, and so the specific carbohydrate diet uh, was invented by Elaine Gottschall. And she has a book um, as well called Breaking the Vicious Cycle, where you can kind of learn all about the scientific details, um, and then, you know, like what foods you can eat. And um, she also has supplement recommendations in there um, as well that I do follow too. Um, so that was kind of my introduction to the diet. Um, so things that are polysaccharides. So this includes things like gluten, um, fluid milk. So not all dairy, but most dairy, um, potatoes, um, and refined sugar is another really big one. So by eliminating all those things, you give the gut time to heal. Um, and then it's able to withstand more um, and different foods. So, you know, eventually you can reintroduce things and see how you're doing. But um, yeah, the last year and a half, I have been doing really well with the still on the Remicade, um, the Remicade, but I do think that the diet has really helped me uh, progress a lot. Do you feel like you're in remission? I do. You know, I'm always scared to say that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, I do right now. My, so the anniversary of my car accident is actually going to be next Monday. It's on the 23rd. And <laughs> for the last seven years, I, on the day I have had a flare every single time. And so I'm, you know, but I've been on this diet and I've been doing lots of like meditation and, you know, like working on the trauma of the accident too. So I'm really hopeful that it kind of stays that way, but, you know, I think anybody gets nervous to say they're in remission because then it's like, <laughs> when's the next one? Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's funny because I was talking to my doctor about remission on Friday and um, I didn't realize there was two different types of remission. You have the uh, endoscopic. Yes. What's the, what's right. the other one? No, 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 please. Say it again. Clinical. Exactly. So I think a lot of times we don't identify what remission, what remission means for us sometimes. Um, so when she shared with me what Permission for me would be with my colon is, is clear of all type of ulcers and, and things. So I'm in remission from that part. And I'm also in clinical remission. But I do have um, extra intestinal manifestation of my Crohn's that they don't identify as being a part of that because I have no active Crohn's disease in my body for my colon wise. But I do have it on my skin and whatever. But so I'm glad you said it because a lot of times we don't have a I thought about that. And it's very scary to discuss remission because you're like, oh my God, we're doing so good. No, no. But yeah, but I think it's something to be celebrated, especially when you work so hard to get to where you are by following this diet and doing um, the things that is best for your body. And it's amazing because I have Crohn's and you mentioned about the potatoes and the other type of food. I'm looking like, wow, they don't bother me. But you mentioned stuff about like <clears throat> chocolates and carbohydrate drinks and uh, grease. Oh my, that, that's something that definitely triggers me. Like mozzarella cheese. Yeah. Like that greasy, greasy pizza. Okay. Oh, I can't, I can't deal with that. But 
what was the name of the diet the, um diet again what was it yeah so it's the initials are scd but it's specific carbohydrate diet um, okay and on my website too, there's a whole page about that explains about the SCD. Um, and there's also a link to the book. Um, you can get it on Amazon too. But it's really interesting. Um, and you know, I really always have enjoyed science class. So to me, like I'm just a huge science nerd. So I really enjoyed all the, you know, molecular standpoint of the breakdown of the food. To me, mm -hmm. that was just really interesting. Um, and then you know, being able to really see that through trial what I had already done my trial and error um, and but to understand why um, I just was really interesting to me and you know it it is hard to cook I will say like as a professional chef I had really not worked with alternative flowers and mm -hmm. um, you know like all these different ingredients so even for me like it was a little bit intimidating trying to make all these different recipes for this new lifestyle and I was like I can do something about this um, so I started my website and I've got over a hundred recipes now um, but I just wanted to make SCD cooking really approachable to the home chef um, and you know make these ingredients that you might not otherwise be working with easy to use um, and familiar and actually make something that tastes good too <laughs> what's your <clears throat> when you're like you know what I'm in a rush I don't have time to cook today like what is your go-to thing that you can like grab in a second to get you kind of like throughout the day that would not cause any um, challenge with your good like what do you grab when you're in a rush yeah so um I like making up the no granola granola bars um they're mostly like nuts and honey um, and you just bake them and then it's portable so you can take it with you um unsweetened applesauce pouches i take those with me in my purse a lot okay <laughs> um, and then as far as like dinner or something like my go-to really easy meal is um spaghetti squash and meatballs <laughs> um super easy like you know done in 30 minutes and I um, have a tomato sauce, a quick tomato sauce recipe um, on my blog as well. But if I'm really in a hurry, I also use the Rayos brand because that's SCD approved. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, so um, so how about like um, meal replacement, like like shakes or anything like that? Do you have any like do you have any like, recommendations for like people that that maybe like they're having like you know. They just want to take it easy that day, and they, you know, and they just want, you know, or, or like workout or like weight gain or any of that kind of stuff. Um, like, like, any recommendations for that? Yeah. So with SCD, um, pretty much all of the pre-made protein powders are a no-go. Um, so mm -hmm. it's hard to find. Kind of like if you're thinking pre-made you can't really find it but um i do enjoy doing smoothies and stuff especially when i'm not feeling my best um, i have a coconut milk and turmeric ginger smoothie that i make all the time um and i love that and I, it's super easy and um you can also make the coconut milk too i have that recipe on there it's easier than you would think mm -hmm. it only takes like 10 minutes um and I like doing that, especially when I'm not doing well. I also do a lot of soups. I have a lot of soup recipes. Um, there's like a French onion, there's a carrot and 
ginger chicken one that I really like doing. Um, and yeah, soups and shakes are definitely good. Um, you know, when you're not feeling well, there are some things that can definitely help like bone broth, the mm. collagen and the bone broth really helps your gut to be able to rebuild that very thin single layer that is between, you know, your intestines and the inside of your guts. Um, but it's important to have that layer strong because while it's only one layer, that's, you know, you have to protect that. Um, mm. So the collagen really helps with that. So I, when I'm not doing well, I have a lot of bone broth. Um, and then when I make the soups, I put the bone broth in the soups as well. And then smoothies, things like mangoes and avocado um, and eggs and cooked chicken and cooked salmon. I do really well with all of those things, um, no matter what. So if I'm not doing well, that's kind of more of the things that I would stick to. And um, I would avoid like nuts and um, things that are a little bit harder to digest. They are SD legal, but like if you're not doing well, then you should stick to more um, solid things. Gotcha. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I guess um, me, I'm curious. Say you, you mentioned you may mention your husband before. Like when you're cooking, do you have to like make different meals or do y'all like do he also support you with uh, the food you cook in regards to the diet you follow because the word support is very important for us that's in the community so I'm wondering like how the support look when you're making the meals because sometimes people are like well look that was you eating but I, I don't have to eat that <laughs> but I'm just wondering yeah. he also yeah. follow those those diets too I mean he still eats like other things that he likes, you know, like he has sweet tea and like, you know, things that I wouldn't have, but he okay. is really supportive um, with everything that I make. And he's always like sharing all my posts and he always okay. tries everything, um, you know, like he really doesn't like salmon, but you know, he'll still try my salmon dish or whatever. So yeah, he's really supportive. And he actually also ha happens to be a professional chef. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome is that cook-off time, having a cook-off yeah, right? time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. You know, sometimes I know for me, going out to eat can be a challenge, um, especially at certain restaurants that only have like certain type of foods. Like my friends, they can eat beef, pork, like they eat a plethora of different meals. Um, I don't eat beef or pork, um, but sometimes it can be difficult because even though you may get something that does not have those, those meats in it, when they cook the food in, it can be also a little uncomfortable to to the good as well so that's been one of my uh in the past my challenges where i go online figure out what they have to eat and just play it very safely um i was i thought the salads were safe for me one time so i found out uh they were not safe for <laughs> safe for me especially <laughs> like those the iceberg lettuce can't be yeah. but i can eat spinach but the iceberg salad within the matter of a food like i said about about 10 minutes of, of, dig of digesting it or whatever is going on in my belly is like, nah, I can't really deal with that. And for the longest time, I had no idea. So either on the burger, on the sub, I just can't do that um, iceberg lettuce. I don't know. Maybe it's the texture. I don't know what it is, but it does not do well for my tummy at all. Yeah, the, um, you know, when before in 2019, before I had my flare, I was eating a salad every night for dinner. I'm like, I'm being healthy. I'm doing the right thing. And then after, you know, doing the STD diet and kind of listening to my body and understanding what it's telling me, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I really found that lettuce was hard for me to do. So I hardly ever do salads. Um, and if I do, it's like a cucumber salad or the base Mm -hmm. of it is not lettuce. (laughs) Um, so yes, that's interesting that you say that as far as eating out goes. Um, so yeah, a few things you can do, like you mentioned, go and look at their menu for sure. Everybody has the online menu nowadays, go look. And my recommendation is pick three things that you think that you can eat. And Mm -hmm. then when you get there, you can, you know, either talk to the, um, front house manager, or if the chef is available, um, they can come out and talk to you and make sure that those things are safe for you. As far as, um, SCD, if you follow that on my blog, I have, um, little cards that you can buy that you can take to the restaurant and you can give them to your server and she can give them to the chef. And it has all of the things on there that you cannot have. And it says at the top, um, you know, this person has a gastrointestinal disease and these things need to be treated as allergies because they could make them sick. Um, So, and it's got all those on there. So then as a chef, you know, my point of view, I know how it is in the kitchen dealing with allergies and stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's like the server writes down one thing, but it's something different. Like as Mm -hmm. a person dining, I want to make sure that they have crystal clear what I can and what I cannot have. And so by providing that to them, it makes it easy for the server and easy for the kitchen. And then you can know that what's coming out is safe for you. Wow, I love that. I never knew that. You know, that's why I said education is very important. I never knew that you can just give someone something or she like, I'm like, she'll come outside and talk to you. I never knew that. Now, seriously, like, you know, but to know these things now and because this is important for us to know that we have options and not say, well, I have to eat it because it's all they have. You don't have to eat it. So you can just. Yeah talk to someone about what's going on. So that's definitely good. And I'm definitely going to pass that information along because that's something that I was not aware of. Now, I mean, knowing it, I have more, right. And I was in Vegas um, where Jordan lives. You know, food is everywhere. I mean, you can pick something over here. Like, oh my God, what do you you want to pick? (laughs) If you're not really, you want to eat some good food, but knowing the allergies, I said, do I eat good? And then suffer consequences later? Or do I just try to eat somewhat? good and didn't still have like a little bit of flair but I just stay in the notion of eating what I could but definitely knowing that I can have the option I'm definitely pass that along thank you for that yeah absolutely and you know just get to know like the cuisine of the restaurant you're going to because you know if you're at a French restaurant and they have this like sauce it could be made with a roux which is flour and butter and if you're uh-huh. avoiding gluten you know then that's not gluten-free and you know, the, sometimes the servers might not always know. So it's good for them to double check, um, Mm -hmm. with, um, either a front of house manager or with the kitchen itself, um, just to make sure that, you know, what you're having is safe. Um, I'm curious, what's your favorite recipe you cooked on your website? Yeah. Um, so I would probably pick a dessert because I love dessert. Um, I have this, <laughs> um, I have this caramel, this date caramel, um, cashew ice cream that I really love. 
Um, okay, okay. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And it's dairy <laughs> free. Um, so the caramel is made from dates, and then the ice cream is made from cashews, um, and it has almond milk in it. And it's like my go to when I want something really rich and decadent. Um, but I also kind of save it for special occasions because it does have a lot of calories in it. <laughs> but it's really good. Gotcha, That's gotcha. Make your own ice cream, make your own uh, topping, like them some skills. Cooking is an art. I'm sorry. You yeah, know. I mean, it is an art. Yeah, it it's an art. Like, you can't just, I tell people when I cook food, I don't have time on it. I just tell them, yeah, they look done. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I got to put this much, you know, because just me, but just knowing that the most intricate details can be something that can keep you from possibly going through a flare if you're not if you if you're aware of it not aware of some different but i'm definitely more more cognizant of that now that i become more educated on different foods because you mentioned your doctor told you that it, it wasn't a big deal when you were diagnosed initially and mine told me i can't have uh, uh anything to have like um like chocolate or sodas or anything have like a high fibrous food i i, I couldn't have that but that's it. I wasn't told about what I could have. I was told what I couldn't have. Not knowing that dairy can cause me inflammation. Me drinking milk can cause me to have significant gas and diarrhea. Me eating cheese can cause me to have the same symptoms because it's simple. Milk, milk and cheese came from the same place, basically. So I didn't have the education until I had like a lot of trial and error myself. That's how I learned I couldn't digest um, beef um, or pork. It's like when I ate beef, it's like something just came and just fell right in my belly and I could not release it and I said when I get rid of this I'm never going to eat this beef again so like a lot of trial and error versus the education crowd too yes which is a big problem I mean just to share with you the um, U.S. News did a report in 2010 the average American doctor has to study for 90,000 hours to become a doctor and in those um, hours they only get 19.6 hours of nutrition training so it's just not even on their radar. Mm. I feel as doctors for IBD should have at least, you know, a few years of nutrition. Under their yes, <laughs> I completely agree. I think even <laughs> regular, just general practitioners should. Um, I think that it's a huge area where we're lacking in in the U.S. Yeah. Um, you know, or at so least have them work together in the same, yes. you know, building. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I remember like in my in my um, GI doctor's office, there was a nutritionist office in there, but she wasn't there. Yeah. And, 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 so, so she had a sign, but she had name on the door. <laughs> it's funny because um, before I came on today, I had a meet, I had another uh, lab with um, one of the, um, the leaders of, of Kochi, which is an ambassador for, and she asked me, what is, what do I look, what do a treatment plan, no, what do treatment for me look like with chronic illness. And I said, me being a therapist, when I see my client, I identify the problem. We do a long-term goal, short-term goal. Identify the intervention and how we're going to get here. So if I have a diagnosis of Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, what have you, we're going to do a long-term goal, short-term goal, how I'm going to get here. Miss Wood would meet with nutritionists to get her good, her good in place or discuss uh, food management or whatever. Uh, Miss Wood would meet, meet with a therapist, discuss her mental health or what have you. So all of these other people can be in a place while I'm focused on my, my overall body getting well, but the whole team approach can be more important. 
because we don't have the education from our doctor and we're diagnosed newly, we can do like a lot of trial and error and can make ourselves worse because us because we're just not educated because we don't know what you don't know you don't know you know what i'm saying so i think it's a lot of challenges and a lot of barriers that we experience and being patients that have ibd and yes. some of us yeah take time out to get to know more about ourselves than others do yeah i when i was diagnosed i actually had was smoking cigarettes and i quit smoking and i did not realize that quitting was going to cause me to have a huge flare you know no one told me that um but I mean I'm glad that I quit but uh you know it's like I just I didn't even know and you know I went to my doctor and he was like well what's changed and I was like well I quit smoking two weeks ago he goes oh that's it like well thanks for telling me <laughs> right wow that's wow. different huh I wonder maybe well, because nicotine is a stimulant he said that when in my in, like when I first got diagnosed, I did like research about um, things that could help you see an IBD, and that was one of the things that was on the list. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I told myself I was not going to pick it up though. Yeah, it up again. it's the opposite. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's kind of like bad for bad for girls, and, and you see it's different somehow. Yeah, it's like um, like quitting for UC causes flares, but like starting for Crohn's can cause flares rather than quitting. It's like the opposite. So weird. Oh my god. So we want to get well, pick up a cigarette. <laughs> no, I don't recommend that. Please do not do that. <laughs> no, you guys, not y'all. I'm saying like how it sounds like. Yeah, that sounds so opposite of how it should be i think it's something like yeah if you're, if, you, if you're already smoking you know it's you know, yeah it, it makes it makes problems way worse and you see uh, i would say yeah 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 weird which is strange but, yeah you know, i'm pretty sure that's like a net negative right yeah <laughs> so so um but yeah well cool well um man abigail it's been so awesome having you here like um you know, I have, so I, I guess uh, one last question and, you know, you're, you know, if you don't want to answer it, that's cool. Um, but, you know, what's your uh, feeling about like, um, you know, like uh, this SC, this like this diet and like, and like, uh, and, uh, and like edibles for like, maybe like CBD products or like cannabis products and maybe like, would that, would that, like, you think that can help people at all? Or do you think those things are like probably you know, best left separate? Um, so I do think that there are some benefits for CBD. I use CBD um, like ointments and things for pain management um, and had great success with those. As far as um, eating something, you just, you want to make sure that uh, whatever it's made with, like you need to know if it has thickeners in it or things like um, guar gum or xanthan gum or, you know, something that is going to mess up your gut. Um, that would be more my concern as far as eating something. But I have used like the lotions. Um, I get like my knees hurt a lot. Um, and so I, I use it on my knees and it makes it feel better. Um, but yeah, I think as far as things like pain management, yes, um, eating them, I would just be careful what is actually in it. Um, also, another thing that 
um, America kind of needs help with is labels. Not everything has to be put on the labels of the foods that we consume. Um, so sometimes there's sugar, extra sugar, or something else that's added in there. And you don't even know as the consumer because it's not even on the product. Um, mm. So I would just be careful with what's actually in it. Yes. I also recommend that if you don't know like a name, you look it up because one time I looked up a product that said sugar free. And then I looked up a name on the back of it because I didn't recognize it. And it was sugar alcohol. And I was just yeah. like, oh yeah oh yeah sometimes like things can be like considered sugar-free is if it's like you know less than a certain like amount of sugar like per serving yeah then mm. they don't have to put it on there yeah, exactly mm. mm-hmm. that's crazy we gotta read that yeah find that dextrose back there oh you know, maltodextrin yes yeah, exactly. yes you know dextrose like there's someone having in the interview box well, cool. Well, um, Abigail, I think it's I think it's time to you know wrap things up. Um, I, I genuinely appreciate you coming you coming on the show. It's been it's been awesome. It's been educational. It's been fun. All that. So like, um, and so um, can, uh, do me a big favor and let and let our audience know um, where they can find you and where they can support you, um, and and also maybe put in the work for um, you know your projects that you're working on. Yeah, so um, my website is uh, www.abigailmariethechefwithibd.com. And there you can see more about my story uh, and then more about what STD is, as well as other kind of supplements and things you can do, um, like meditation. And then I've got all my recipes and then the uh, posts about, you know, new upcoming medicines and just other posts about things with IBD. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram. My hashtag is chef with IBD. Uh, and I've got a few eBooks on there, uh, with the cards for eating out as well. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I also really enjoyed it. Uh, and if you have any future questions or anything, you know, feel free to, um, to contact me. My contact is on my website. Uh, my email's on there too. Thank you. It will do. We got Victoria. She said, good discussion. We'll catch the replay later. And then uh, I can't really see the name, but someone said another great discussion. And then Victoria again said, uh, that's why I shop at the Premier at store. No processed foods. Yeah, processed foods are really hard on not just the intestine, but the whole body. So avoiding can be really helpful. Yes. All right. Thank you, Victoria. Appreciate your comments. Definitely, Victoria. Appreciate you. And so, um, and, and again, you know, if you know, if you guys, you know, out there listening to this, you know, uh, like, you know, like what uh, CJ Renika and I are doing, um, you know, like, you know, like, you know, what Abigail was talking about, you know, please not only support her, but um, you know, but support Crohn's, Crohn's veteran. You know, like, you know, like our show, subscribe to our show. Um, you know, your support matters. You know, every listener matters. We're trying to, you know trying to get you know this awareness state for pros and colitis you know world worldwide so please so please help us do that um you know you can you can check us out at www.cronesveteran.com uh this this podcast is uh is on the anchor platform but you can find us on spotify and google and apple Podcasts as well uh you can check out our awesome crohn's veteran store uh for great merch this is a 
this is from the old store, but it's, but it's kind of an example of what it, what it looks like a little bit. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, and so um, again, uh, thanks for the love, thanks for the support. And uh, thank you very much, Abigail, again, for, for joining Thrones Valley. Thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Abigail. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye.